Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Who is Paris Hilton? That's a question a ton of people have been asking ever since she shot to fame in 2003 with the reality series that started every celebrity reality show, The Simple Life. On the surface, she was this celebrity heiress to the Hilton Hotel dynasty with a baby doll voice that was the furthest thing from a relatable figure. But something clicked and we, as a society, became fascinated by her. But what we didn't know was that what we were seeing was a young woman playing the part of a quote-unquote dumb blonde as a means to process a history of trauma that few knew at the time. Like Marilyn Monroe before her, the artifice was the armor to protect her from dealing with some of the things that had happened to her. Now Paris is sharing it all in a surprisingly candid new memoir called Paris. Look for links to the book in this episode's show notes. Now, Paris and I are roughly the same age, so I've quite literally grown up with her. I was a fan of The Simple Life, and like so many others in the early aughts, I followed her life on the celebrity gossip blogs. Her wild nights out with Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Richie, and Britney Spears. The early days of her friendship with Kim Kardashian, her legal troubles, and so much more. But as I watched all of this, I was struck by the person. Watching Paris, I could tell there was something more to this woman. I didn't know what, but there was something I could relate to in her. You see, I was raised Mormon and gay, so I know a thing or two about putting on a front in order to navigate the difficult areas of life. And now, after knowing what I know about Paris, I get that that's what cemented this connection I had to this woman who, on the surface, is wildly different from me. I mean, she's rich, she's famous, she has every connection in the world, and did I mention she's rich? Like, I'm none of those things. But I saw a part of myself in the dumb blonde act that she was selling. So when I heard about this memoir, I knew I had to speak with her. I spent the past few months chasing her down, trying my darndest to get the interview. Once I locked it down, I figured it would be another standard celebrity interview. Well, I was wrong. Over the course of 24 hours, I started a communication with Paris that culminated in meeting the queen of social media face-to-face. From chatting via DM on Instagram to laughing about the technical difficulties at the beginning of I our can't Zoom hear chat. Them on here. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Oh my God, sorry. We just like switched things like five times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm back. This, is, this is almost like an episode of The Simple Life. Almost. <laughs> the Simple Life had iPhones. That 24 hours with Paris changed not only what I think about her as a person, but also made me look at the power of fame in a totally different way. What you're about to hear is the bulk of my chat with Paris Hilton. From time to time, I'll chime in to offer some perspective on what we're discussing. All of that will culminate in the strange and oddly touching encounter we had following our chat. So, go on, 
Grab a snack because I'll be right back with Paris Hilton. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So why a memoir now? I just felt like I've been on this whole journey of like self-discovery ever since my documentary, This is Paris, mm-hmm. uh, just the past couple years and really just taking back my voice and, and my narrative. And I just feel like, especially during the 2000s, my story was just told by others. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was just kind of like helpless against whatever the press chose to write about me. So it's important for me to tell my own story. Yeah, And... It's such a, <laughs> obviously you've re- after reading it, you yeah. know, it's just, it's like such a, um, my life is like a, like a movie. Like it's just mm-hmm. so many things I've been through. It's, um, I think it's an important story for people to read because it's the story I wish that I read when I was a teenager. Cause I would probably wouldn't have felt so alone. And I think that, you know, a lot of people can relate to a lot of the things that I've had to endure and go through. Yeah. I mean, it's so that's something that really stood out to me that, you know, I I think fans of yours have always been able to see beyond the artifice of what others sort of used against you, I think, in a lot of ways. And, you know, they 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 use the sort of like, oh, you're a Hilton or you're a simple life or a blonde, whatever it is, like whatever the, the adjective they wanted to use to critique you. And I think for a lot of us as fans, we were able to sort of see through that and then recognize that, like, these people, largely men, are taking advantage of you and are 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 using sort of your power as a woman and who you are in the world, the modern world. Uh, uh, they're they're using you in that way. And the book does su- you do such a good job in sort of being raw and explaining sort of like what it was like. Did was that an important part of your story to tell? Do you think how people treated you, especially during that era, and like why was that so important for you to share now? I just think it's so important now that just that so for so long this has happened not only to myself but to so many women and it's being in this male-dominated business for so long and just seeing everything and having to go through so so much Mm -hmm. I really just wanted to say my truth and say my story because the more that people speak up the more people can stop this from happening. And I think there's been so much change with so many brave women coming forward mm-hmm. with so many different, really, you know, really things that are are difficult to talk about publicly, but that's something where people put shame on people who shouldn't. And that's a big part of my book yeah. is that I feel that so many things that have been done to me 
the people instilled shame in me where I felt like I couldn't even talk about it because I was embarrassed and ashamed when it's not me who should be ashamed. It's these people. And I want anyone reading this book who's been through the same thing to not hold on to that shame because it's something that will just, it eats you away and it makes you not feel good about yourself. And Mm -hmm. it's, you should never put something on that someone's done to you on yourself. And I, that's a big message for me and advice that I would give. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I really took from reading it and what I've always kind of felt about you is that I, I've always stood that you are sort of a feminist icon in, in for the modern era in sort of the new reality TV, social media world that we live in, because you kind of set the tone in a lot of ways for being yourself, no matter what others kind of thought, even though people were definitely using you and people were there was a lot of critiques and a lot of things happening. I think for a lot of us, we saw like, well, this is a person being kind of as authentically as they can be in the world that she's living in and the life that she's living. And did you ever feel like in a way that you were sort of misunderstood as a woman in the world and sort of the choices you were making that even sort of women were judging you for some of the choices you made? Uh, Definitely. I've felt judged for most of my life and it's, um, been difficult because I I've I'm always I've always been just such a kind person with a big heart and I, this whole time I think a lot of people if they don't know my story a lot of what I did with this character was just a trauma response to mm-hmm. you know all the abuse that I went through as a teenager um you know being abused at these um troubled teen industry I don't even like to call them schools but yeah um the uh places that I went when I was a teenager. Um, And it was really hard because I think that a lot of people, they didn't understand that I was playing a character and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not a dumb blonde. I was just very good at pretending to be one. The school Paris is referring to is the Provo Canyon School, a treatment facility for girls with complicated mental health and behavioral health challenges. As a teenager, Paris self-described herself as wild, Her parents, frustrated, sent her to Provo to finish out high school. While at the boarding school, Paris says that she was abused and sexually assaulted. She details this abuse in her new memoir. Here's Paris speaking on the steps of the United States Capitol building, where she, along with legislators sponsoring legislation, called for reform to the troubled teen industry. For 20 years, I couldn't sleep at night. As memories of physical violence, the feeling of loneliness, the loss of peers, rushed through my mind when I shut my eyes. This was not just insomnia, it was trauma. One night when I was 16 years old, I woke up to two large men entering my bedroom asking me if I wanted to go the easy way or the hard way. Thinking I was being kidnapped, I screamed for my parents. And as I was being physically dragged out of my house, I saw them crying in the hallway. They didn't come to my rescue that night. This was my introduction to the troubled teen industry. My parents were promised that tough love would fix me and that sending me across the country was the only way. I was sent to four facilities of almost a two-year period and my experience at each one haunts me to this day. I was strangled, slapped across the face, watched in the shower by male staff, called vulgar names, forced to take medication without a diagnosis, not given a proper education, 
thrown into solitary confinement in a room covered in scratch marks and smeared in blood, and so much more. At Provo Canyon School in Utah, I was given clothes with a number on the tag. I was no longer me. I was only number 127. I was forced to stay indoors for 11 months straight. No sunlight, no fresh air. These were considered privileges. Children were regular hit, thrown into walls, and even sexually abused at Provo. I wish I could tell you that what I experienced to witness was unique or even rare, but sadly it's not. Every day in America, children in congregate care settings are being physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. Children are even dying at the hands of those responsible for their care. The legislation would make sweeping changes to these youth facilities, including foster care facilities, mental health facilities that rely on taxpayer funding, and facilities where parents pay for the treatment of teens. There is currently no federal regulation for these facilities. A report from the National Disability Rights Network found that in these spaces, there's excessive use of physical restraints, sexual abuse, and the overuse of psychiatric medication. A statement on the Provo Canyon School's website reads that, quote, Provo Canyon School was sold by its previous ownership in August 2000. We therefore cannot comment on the operations or student experience prior to that time, end quote. At 18, as soon as Paris could, she left Provo and internalized the trauma she experienced there for nearly 20 years. One way she did that was by playing this dumb blonde character she speaks of. But as we all know, when it comes to the way society and media treats women, the nuances of Paris Hilton and many other women of that era were largely misunderstood, misconstrued, or, to put it frankly, fully ignored at the expense of their mental health and sometimes even their safety. And I think definitely the 2000s were all about, you know, tearing people down and pitting women against each other and Mm -hmm. just inventing fake feuds. Like it was just such like a toxic environment in that way. Mm -hmm. And people, people didn't know the real me. So I could understand sometimes when people would maybe talk negative about, you know, this, this person who's playing, you know, this kind of like blonde bubble, bubble Barbie kind of airhead. Um, And I can understand how some people would feel about someone like that. But on the inside, that was never really me. And I, I loved what you said about how my fans and people who understand me knew all along and they, they get who I am and what type of person I am. And yeah, that's all that really matters to me. And that's why I feel so lucky that I have such an incredible fan base. Like my little Hiltons are literally like my little brothers and sisters. And I, I literally wrote this book for them because mm-hmm. I wish that I always had a big sister to give me advice. Yeah. Cause I've always been the big sister, even though Nikki acts like the big sister. <laughs> so I feel like this book is really going to give advice and also just like, I don't know things, what not to do and things to do. I don't know. Yeah. I've lived just this crazy, amazing life, but there's also been so many hard times and I just wanted to put it all out there because I'm proud of the woman that I am today and everything that I've been through. I've just, I'm a badass. (laughs) Yeah, you are. And I think that's sort of the thing that like blew me away from the documentary. I mean, I was, I felt like I was waiting for years for that documentary to come out because I remember for years I just kept pressing hard being like, no, there's more to this woman. You have to just 
Trust me, you know, and when the documentary came out, it really hit me because it was validation for everything I had been saying for a long time. But also it was validation for like a lot of queer people, a lot of women who do have to kind of put on these masks, if you will, or the artifice of being another person in order to exist in a world, in order to get through a toxic male straight dominated world. And yeah. and for for so many, I think we saw that in you. You know what I mean? We saw that you were doing that in a lot of ways. And we we that's how we became little Hiltons, <laughs> you know? I'm and, gonna cry. But it's true. I think it's so true. And I think the book does a really good job of showing that we can relate to this story, even though you're immensely famous and, you know, more rich and everything than we are, we can still relate to what you went through. Do you do you hear that from fans? All the time. That's, I love my fans so much and just the things I'm so close with them and just the things that they say to me. This That's what, like if I, if I didn't want to, I wouldn't have to work or do any of this. I do this real literally for my fans. Like I love seeing them like my perfume signings. Like I can't wait for the book signings, just like seeing them in real life and hearing how much I've impacted their life. People mm-hmm. saying that I've saved their life that I made them able to feel like they could be free and like be able to be who they are and love who they want. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm love just growing together with all of them and just how it's like people from all around the world, all different ages, like mm-hmm. everyone is just so kind and it just makes me feel so proud to have an impact and to make, bring that sparkle and make yeah. people feel comfortable and seen and, I, I just, it makes me emotional because I just, I love them so much. And just the words that they've said to me have touched my life in ways that, you know, few things have and just means so much to me. Well, and the other thing that I really was struck me from the book is because I've always kind of thought this, I mean, I'm a big fan of Marilyn Monroe. I'm a big fan of Judy Holiday. And I see a lot of them in you in that they, they use sort of the caricature of quote unquote, the dumb blonde, if you will. And to, yeah, sure. To benefit their career, but also to benefit themselves to grow, but also as a safety mechanism. I mean, there's so many parallels between why they did what they did and why you did what you did and how, I mean, for them, I mean, especially Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe's case, it, it didn't, it didn't go in a great direction, but for you, you are going in a great direction. What is, what is that sort of, relationship you have with Marilyn Monroe and like what does she mean to you I've just always loved and looked up to her since I was a little girl she's always been one of my idols and you know I think of course she's gorgeous I love just her the way she lived her life without apologies and she did what she wanted and really just broke molds during that that time when she was alive and will be an icon forever and but under all that, like she went through so much, like when you look at her life story and I, I researched a lot and I just was it just, I had so many things I felt that were like similar in our stories. And I feel like she was like me where that's what she did. She kind of came with the baby voice and this mm-hmm. sexy kind of character just to be like a mask because she had been through some difficult times in life. And yeah. You know, I didn't know any of all of that story because, you know, in Hollywood, they only have shown the glamorous parts. But now that I've just done just looked into her so much, I've just seen so many similarities. And now I can see even why, while I feel even closer to her. Mm -hmm. 
And I think when I, when I coming out of Provo, I, I definitely modeled like my character of Marilyn Monroe was one of my big inspirations. And I just loved how she just went through life with a smile on her face and had this energy that everyone just loved about her. Yeah. Yeah. And you have, I mean, now in sort of that postdoc reality that you're living right now, which is wonderful with, with the shows and with, I mean, with everything you're doing, one of the things that sticks out to me personally, just because I love that you're doing it is the podcast trapped in treatment and how you're taking, I mean, you had a very specific form of trauma happen to you as a child because of that treatment center and because of what was happening there. And, but I think a lot of people relate to it. Like I said, even with the book in terms of, you know, I was raised Mormon and there was a whole like thing of trying to like make you not gay. And there's like, I mean, there's a lot of us that experience these sort of traumatic things in our childhood that we're trapped. You're trapped in it because you can't get out of it. Fortunately, we get out of those things. I mean, you and I, we got out of it, but like it's, it's traumatic for years and years to come. What does the podcast mean to you? The second season's coming out, which is exciting. What, what does that podcast mean to you? And what do you hope people take from it? I'm so proud of Trapped in Treatment, and I just was actually doing uh, some interviews with it last week and listening to the second season, and it's just, wow, it's uh, it's so powerful and impactful to be able to have my platform for voices to be heard that need to be heard and these stories of what is happening behind closed doors in this multi-billion dollar industry, and this has been happening since the 1960s, and mm. There's been more change and impact in the past, you know, over two years that I've been fighting for change than there has been in, you know, over 60 years of people trying to do something about this. So I, it just makes me proud that I'm able to shine a light on such an important issue and so proud because of all of our work. We've now changed laws in eight states and now taking it to a federal level with uh, introducing our bill in DC in uh, a few months mm. so that it will be illegal in all 50 States for the abuse that myself and so many others went through. That's amazing. That's so great that you're doing that. The, the other thing that I love is I love Paris and love and I love the direction your life is. I mean, I, the, I feel like, cause we're around the same age and I, I feel like I've kind of grown up with you in a lot of ways <laughs> and the, and we're having the same life experiences around the same time, which is kind of wild. And it's, it's kind of like, it's insane that you were able to get through some of the, I mean, a lot of people did not make it out of the aughts in a very good way. And you did. And now you're in this wonderful place with a new husband and a baby and the show and everything in the book. Like what, what can people expect from the second season of Paris and love first and foremost, but then also how do you feel right now? Like, how is life for you right now? I just feel just over the moon. We're so in love with our baby boy, little Phoenix. Oh, he's so beautiful and so he. I just I melt when I his looks into my eyes, and he's just started smiling this week. He just had his month ah. birthday. <laughs> he is the most precious. Like I didn't even know what love was until I. I met this baby. I'm just like, I, I want to just protect him. And I just stare at him every second <laughs> and we're having so much fun. And I, I'm loving season two with Paris and love because this one is just very, just like fly on the wall, just watching everything. Like season one was all about planning the wedding. So it was more about that. This is about my real life, becoming a mom, 
uh, running my media company with 1111, doing my second album right now, about to go on the book tour. Wow. Um, just my, my business has never been so successful. Like I just, my, I'm so grateful to my husband and to my whole team. I just feel like I'm on top of the world right now. And Mm -hmm. now to be a mom with all of that on top and people finally understanding me and seeing that I'm not a dumb blonde. I'm just very good at pretending to be one. Yeah. Feels freaking awesome yeah and there's nothing wrong with that either because like that's how you got to where you're you are now and the the media company i will say i you are the most perfect person to have a company like that with 1111 because you understand pop culture not just culture you understand pop culture in a way that i don't think many other people do and like i'm obsessed with pop culture you saw my instagram like all i do is post clips of things that i'm obsessed with and (laughs) and it's like it's all i do and i feel like what what made you want to start the company and like what do you plan to do with the company? Well, I feel that I'm the blueprint and wrote the playbook for basically this whole new creator economy. Yeah. Uh, all of this that's happening right now. And I just wanted to build a media company where others could have their dreams come true. And that's another reason I wanted to name it 1111 because it's about like, you know, like make a wish and mm. about just being inspirational. And now I've have a huge team and we have everything from every different vertical from podcasting to film, to television, to products, to the metaverse, um, to digital, to licensing, basically we do everything, music. Um, so I just really wanted to build a company where not only do they handle my business and my empire, where we can also help others, brands, IP mm. creators, um, be able to do the same, the same thing. Cause we have the whole flywheel and basically, uh, the whole infrastructure for that to be possible. Yeah. So it, it's exciting now. We're just working with so many different brands and now creators coming in and just doing really um, exciting, like innovative and um, massive deals. That's so all exciting. Over, from the metaverse to IRL. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's so exciting. Well, my last question for you is what what do you hope people ultimately take from the memoir? You're definitely going to take a lot from it. Um, I hope that people will understand me even more than they do. And I hope that they laugh, Mm. they cry, that they are just excited, that they don't want to put the book down. That's just every single person who's read it so far. That's what they've said to me. Yeah, that was me. That's just such a good thing to hear. Everyone's like, I couldn't put it down. I literally read it in one sitting. Like, it's so amazing. They sent it to me last week and I emailed them. They can account for this. I emailed them being like, I love this book. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. Well, Paris, thank you so, so much for taking the time to talk with me. I love that we had a little simple life connection at the beginning. And I am never nervous to talk to anyone. I've talked to like Tom Hanks, like, like big celebs. I. You're the only one I'm ever nervous for. Oh, my God. I love you. So great. So, <laughs> so great. Are you in L.A.? I am in L.A. Yeah, I live in Hollywood. Oh, come to my McClarna um, event tomorrow. That's well, you, you'll be there, right? Obviously. Okay, good. Well, I'll come and I'll be I'll be the one in all black with my boyfriend, probably in mask waving at you. That's what we'll be doing. <laughs> Well, we will I see will- you tomorrow. Yes, so the next day, wait. after exchanging some DMs, I went to the Paris event. 
Now, I'm not a party person, and I'm especially not a person who goes to events with influencers. It's just not my scene, and I don't know how to handle myself in those settings. Standing there with my boyfriend, both of us in black, looking very out of place amongst the colorfully clad Hollywood influencer crowd, we pondered if maybe this was a mistake. Am I even going to meet Paris Hilton, or am I just falling into the trap of celebrity, getting invited to an event as a fan, you know what I mean? Then the attention turns to the front door. Paris arrives. Swarmed by photographers and cameras from her reality show, the crowd packs in around Paris. My boyfriend and I stay in our spot and just sort of watch from the sidelines, watch the spectacle. I'm convinced there's no way she's going to recognize me, let alone want to meet me. Then, as we're in the back of the crowd still, standing in our spots, she spots us while taking photographs. She tells someone to bring us forward. We take a photo because, of course, it's Paris Hilton and you're going to get a photo. But then, surrounded by cameras, we have this face-to-face chat. She's looking into my eyes in a way that makes me feel like the connection we had or have is real. That she genuinely is this real person. And it just so happens that the flashing lights are just part of the experience. They're just part of her life. Normally, I'm not a nervous person. Rarely am I ever uncomfortable. But suddenly, I become aware that everyone is staring at us, that I'm on display. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Kathy Hilton and Kris Jenner waiting on me to end this moment with Paris Hilton. They're waiting for me. I say something to the effect, you need to get a picture with your mama. Like we're pals from the Midwest and we're at some high school after party for a play we just did or something. It was ridiculous. All the while, Paris stays focused on my eyes. For a moment, it's like I've known this woman my entire life. And then I realize I have. We say goodbye. I shake Kathy Hilton's hand while being incredibly distracted by the presence of Kris Jenner. And on the drive home, I start to think about the power of fame, that connection I talked about at the beginning of this episode, seeing something of my own traumatic experience in Paris and Paris's experiences, and how she was able to use her fame, for better or worse, to make connections just like this. Fame can be toxic, and Paris Hilton knows that all too well. But if those 24 hours I spent with Paris directly in my life is any indication... Fame is a force that, like it or not, is very powerful. And now it seems that Paris is using that power to help others, but also to start a new chapter for herself, this time on her own terms. Thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review about this episode wherever you're listening to this podcast. And for the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at Newsweek, you know what to do. Subscribe to my newsletter. It comes out twice a week and it's lots of fun. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. What? 
<laughs> She's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The Parting Shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.